need to have universal masking. We know um, that vaccinated people live in households with unvaccinated people. Uh, we know that they circulate in public with other unvaccinated people. So it's re we really need a community-oriented approach, not an individualistic one that's based solely on vaccination status. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Is Vermont about to squander its hard-won gains in keeping COVID-19 in check? That's the argument made by Ann Sosen, a public health specialist and policy fellow at the Nelson A. Rockefeller Center for Public Policy at Dartmouth College. She recently authored an essay for Time magazine entitled, Vermont Offered the U.S. a Textbook for Reopening Schools Safely. Why is it throwing out the lesson plan? I began by asking Sosen why she has described this as, quote, the most dangerous moment for children in the pandemic, close quote. We are really at what we believe to be the most dangerous moment um, of the pandemic um, for children for a number of reasons. Children under 12 are still not eligible for vaccination. Um, and right now um, we see a surge driven by the Delta variant that is leading to record numbers of cases in young people as well as record numbers of hospitalizations. Last week, um, we registered more than 2,300 hospitalizations in children, and we also hit a record 48 deaths um, in children. And this comes as schools are about um, to reopen for the year. You uh, wrote a piece in Time magazine, uh, very critical of Vermont's approach to this. What moved you to write that? You know, I had, I've been following Vermont's response to the pandemic um, since March 2020, um, and schools have really emerged as key actors in Vermont's response, and Vermont's approach to reopening schools has really um, offered a blueprint for other states. Um, and over the last several months, I've watched Vermont retreat away from many of the best practices that defined its approach to reopening schools, and I thought it was really important important to put um, some of the current challenges that we're seeing in the in a broader context, um, both in terms of what we saw last year as well as nationally. And what are some of those best practices that you believe Vermont has backed away from? Sure. So Vermont um, reopened its schools in September um, 2020 um, with one of the nation's lowest case counts. It had only five cases the day um, it reopened schools. Um, it had robust statewide guidance. It was 41 pages long that really um, set forth um, strong practices that schools um, needed to adhere to um, as part of their reopening. Um, the state um, also took really rapid action when cases spiked in November um, to maintain in-person education. Um, Governor Scott closed bars and restaurants. Um, he curtailed other activities, including social gatherings, all with the idea that schools represented and schools represented a priority of the response, and we needed to make other sacrifices and align our public health um, response behind that goal. And what's different this year? You know, this year we find ourselves in very different conditions. Uh, we um, over the weekend um, we registered a surge high of 189 cases. 
our current rolling seven day rolling average is more than 30 times higher than it was um, when schools reopened last year. Um, and we um, have a variant that's twice as transmissible um, that's spreading um, across, across the state. This year, um, Vermont issued um, two, a two-page memo um, instead of the guidance that it had in place this year. It's opted for a local control approach, um, meaning that local school districts are really on their own um, to make public health decisions amid rapidly changing conditions um, and without um, good guidance in place. And they're also um, being forced to adjudicate local, local politics as they make this decision. And I think that this is leading to um, significant um, chaos, um, both politically and operationally across many districts um, in the state. What do you believe a safe return to schools has to include? So I think that there are a couple of elements of that. Um, one of the lessons to come out of Vermont last year is that if we um, align our public health response um, behind the goal of reopening schools, um, then we need to take action to de decrease community transmission. Less cases coming into school is a better thing. It means that there's less, we can, you know, we're better positioned, there's less disruption. So that's one thing. The second thing that's really fundamental is having robust um, school guidance that's aligned with the recommendations of the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics. And here, um, Vermont um, has opted not to align its school guidance um, behind, behind um, with um, the recommendations coming out of uh, these national groups. You know, that's one of the parts that I find most surprising about the moment we find ourselves, because for well over a year, Governor Scott and Dr. Levine have insisted that we are following the science. We're guided by science. And just last week, uh, Vermont Digger reported on a letter signed by 91 staffers at the Vermont Department of Public Health that criticized uh, the governor and Dr. Levine for not following the science, for not calling for mandatory masking in schools, for example. And I thought it was interesting how Dr. Levine responded. Uh, as Seven Days reported, uh, Dr. Levine's letter said, quote, in a global pandemic, public health recommendations are a significant factor, but not the sole factor in the state's policy decisions. Our recommendations are weighed alongside many other aspects that have statewide implications, including areas such as mental health, substance misuse, economic security, overall public confidence, and commitment to mitigation measures, and more, close quote. So if I'm to translate that, it means that Vermont's days of just following the science have ended. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I was certainly concerned um, to read that, particularly um, particularly at um, this moment when we see a departure um, in my mind from the evidence-based approach that's been so critical to Vermont's success at earlier phases of the pandemic. I think we all recognize um, that leaders are faced um, with trade-offs. Um, they're, you know, they recognize that some of the restrictions that we put in place have um, economic and social impacts, and they're trying to balance some of those 
um, those considerations as they make decisions. However, I have to say, um, you know, that in right now we need to be prioritizing the health and education of our children. And that really means aligning what we're doing with um, the best evidence, um, local epidemiology and the guidance that's coming out. And I am concerned um, that we've shifted very far um, away from that um, in the last week, in the, the last several weeks. Do you think with the Delta variant now being the main spreader of disease or the main variant, that if students were to wear masks, be physically distant, wash hands, you know, the the mitigation measures in place last year, that we stand a chance of getting through uh, the school year without significant outbreaks if those are followed? I guess I would say that we can never eliminate risk from our school settings. We are we're living through a pandemic. Um, but we can take uh, we can take action to optimize the conditions um, for keeping um, schools open and keeping students in person. Um, I think that if we follow um, the a layer, if we apply a, a layered mitigation approach in our schools, then we stand a very good chance of keeping our kids healthy and in school until they're eligible for vaccination. That said, I want to say that, you know, we still don't really understand how the Delta variant will behave in an academic or in an academic environment. Um, it's much more transmissible than the variant that was in, um, that, uh, than the wild type virus that was circulating last year. And so we really need to be very humble in our approach and really learn um, from what we're seeing um, as we begin um, to reopen schools. Do you think it was a mistake for the CDC to end, uh, you know, the mandatory masking uh, guidance that it was giving for over a year, and that ended back in May? I do think it was a mistake for the CDC to make that decision. At the time, we had growing evidence um, that showed that vaccines were effective at reducing transmission um, at population level. Um, however, evidence on the science of transmission needs to be paired with other types of evidence. Um, and I think that that as a policy decision really was not well informed um, by behavioral science um, and didn't really account um, for other factors. Um, it, we, there was no system in place to verify ver uh, vaccination status. Um, many um, in the US were not yet eligible um, to be fully vaccinated at that time. Many in Vermont um, yet were not yet eligible um, to be fully vaccinated um, at the time that that, um, that decision was made. But I think it speaks to a, a larger problem, which is that the data and science are going to evolve. Um, we are every day, um, we're learning more about this virus and how to control it. And we really need a very coherent policy strategy that's uh, adaptable um, to the evolving science. And what we're seeing right now, I fear, is um, leadership that's lurching, lurching from one decision to another based on um, science that's coming out. Um, I think we need to look ahead and have really forward, um, forward thinking policy uh, making right now coming from the federal government down, um, down to state, go state governments. 
right now, four out of 10 Vermonters who are testing positive for COVID-19 are vaccinated. Does this suggest that the problem of breakthrough cases is greater than what people are generally understanding? I guess I would say that we have to think about what breakthrough cases mean. You know, our vaccines continue to be highly effective at preventing hospitalizations and death, um, but we're seeing moderate, at least a moderate reduction in prevention of infections. Um, and that means that our policies need to really account um, for um, that reduction in effectiveness in preventing um, infection. Um, and that we need to be employing other tools um, in addition to vaccines um, to control the pandemic right now. And what are those other tools? Well, one of the other tools um, that we um, should be looking at is a masking mandate. Um, this would be tied um, to local transmission. Um, we see many states um, that are putting mask mandates in place. Nevada really has a nice model for a lot of other states. They've tied it to the CDC um, guidance that's coming out um, and it, it's tied to local transmission metrics. Um, so that's, that's one thing um, that we should be doing. If we see levels of transmission that, in, um, that grow significantly, then we're gonna be forced with making other decisions, unfortunately, that are going to have far greater impacts um, on our economy, on our schools and other areas of life. And so our goal really needs to be to take action earlier to prevent um, those, uh, those other um, types of, from, 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 to prevent us from needing those other types of tools. Well, which brings us back to where we are with schools right now, where the message from Governor Scott has been, uh, well, we're not going to mandate masks and, you know, we'll see how it goes. If there's a problem, then we'll respond. And that seems to fly in the face of the approach that you're recommending. It, it, it is not consistent with the approach that I'm recommending. And really, I want to say what I'm recommending is that we follow the guidance that's been put out by the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics. And I would say that there's widespread expert consensus um, that schools um, should be following that, um, that approach. Um, I want to just say a little bit about why universal masking is so important in the um, in the school setting. You know, given the data that tells us that vaccinated people can not only be infected but but also transmit to other vaccinated people, we need to be we need to have um, we need to have universal masking. We know um, that vaccinated people live in households with unvaccinated people. Uh, we know that they circulate in public with under unvaccinated people. So it's re we really need a community-oriented approach, not an individualistic one that's based solely on vaccination status. Um, then that's, you know, that's not the approach that Vermont has opted to take at this time. I think many people are confused when they hear the governor's uh, weekly COVID press conference, where they're citing data uh, in which they talk about being best in the nation, in vaccination rates, in infection rates, um, and yet people are hearing about, you know, infections rising around them, and you're citing different data to say that, no, we have a problem, we actually have 
Children in particular are at higher risk than ever. Um, what are the most important you know, data points that we should be paying attention to right now? We need to be paying attention to our local epidemiology and thinking about how do we define a coherent policy response for the state of Vermont? Uh, we need to be thinking about how do we keep our schools open? How do we keep our businesses open? How do we limit impacts on our own health system? Um, and, you know, we could look um, to the cases of Florida or Texas, um, you know, where governors have shown really outright disregard um, for health and education. Um, but I think our focus needs to be um, on our own data and thinking about how do we do the best we can with the tools that we have um, right now? How do we get as many kids um, into school and keep them healthy until they're eligible for vaccination in just you know, weeks or months? Um, so I you know, think that a comparative approach at this particular phase of the pandemic where we've seen such um, massive loss of life um, in so many places really um, is not what it, it doesn't really help us in our thinking. You know, whenever I hear Vermont rest on its laurels, I think about some other places that have been hailed for their, uh, you know, best in the world or best in some category response. Places like Israel and Iceland and Hawaii all of which are now dealing with significant outbreaks. Even the governor of Hawaii, which routinely is jockeying with Vermont for the number one spot in, you know, most vaccinated and things like that. The governor of Hawaii recently said, don't come to Hawaii right now, which is uh, quite a thing for a governor to say. What can we learn from places that, you know, were once number one and are now, um, in situations of they're in real trouble when it comes to COVID? I think that these, um, these settings teach us how difficult it is to control the Delta variant and how important it is for us to em employ a broad range of tools in addition to vaccination. Um, all of these places have very high vaccination rates like um, Vermont and yet, um, this variant has um, led to very rapid increases in transmission and has had significant impacts on health systems, um, schools, um, and businesses. And so we need to learn um, and be hum really humble in our approach um, as, as, we, um, as we respond to it. And I want to say that, you know, employing other tools right now is helps us to safeguard the gains that we've made as a state. Um, it's, you know, it doesn't diminish our success. Rather, I, th I think we need to think about it as protecting, um, you know, the progress um, that we continue to make in the state of Vermont. You know, we, we seem to once again be at this moment where there's a lag time between people's understanding of where we're at. Um, you know, the CDC lifted the mask mandates. Everybody took off the masks and celebrated. And, you know, right now, um, I'm wondering, how are you behaving in public in terms of what you do and don't do? And how are you explaining your behavior to friends who may not be as up on the data as you are? 
Sure, thanks for that question. I, um, I'm masking again in public and I'm advising other friends um, to mask as well. However, Ins I inside say, and outside your mask, I'm masking inside. Um, and typically I don't mask outside unless I'm in a situation where some distance can't be maintained. Um, we still um, believe that the risk of transmission in most outdoor settings um, is really low. Um, so you don't see me very often in my community um, with a mask on. Um, I'm also not eating um, indoors in uh, restaurants right now, but I am um, eating outside um, with friends and I encourage others to do that as well. That said, you know, I, I think that we have to get beyond personal choices and think about policy choices um, that give people um, the information that they need, um, you know, to live their lives right now. And so I think the information coming out is very confusing. Um, it's evolving very rapidly. And that's why it's so important that we have, um, we have robust policy decisions being made and not simply um, individual um, recommendations um, coming, coming forth. There's talk now that we are likely to have a booster shot, a third shot um, in the case of Pfizer and Moderna uh, would be a third shot. <clears throat> but the issues raised that, um, you know, the, the head of the World Health Organization in Africa has talked about how this makes a, a mockery of vaccine equity because so many places in the world haven't even had a first shot. Um, what is your feeling about that? Should we be getting a booster shot here in America before other countries even get a first shot? I come from a global health background, um, and I came into global health um, during the HIV crisis um, when um, those who were living with HIV in the U.S. had access to antiretroviral therapy, and it wasn't available in many parts of the world um, for another six to seven years. And so I've seen the truly devastating impact that um, inequitable access to vaccines um, and, and, um, and drugs has um, around the world. And so it is especially painful to me um, to see um, how limited access is right now to global vaccines. We have scant evidence right now on the benefits of that third booster. Um, many scientists are saying we need to study this further before we do it, um, but we have very good evidence um, that shows that we will see massive loss of life globally if we do not make a concerted effort to rapidly accelerate access to vaccines. The other thing that we need to be very concerned about um, in the context of thinking um, globally is with the emergence of new variants. Um, the longer um, that we delay access to vaccines, the more concerned we need to be um, about variants that will be even more difficult um, to control um, than the one um, we are um, contending with right now. Well, Ann Sosin, I want to thank you for joining us on the Vermont Conversation this week. Thank you so much, David. Ann Sosin is a public health specialist and policy fellow at the Nelson A. Rockefeller Center for Public Policy at Dartmouth College.